Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So just a quick review so we can kind of set the stage and remind ourselves of, of, uh, of what we went over. We talked last week um, about sin and shame. Shame and sin are not the same. So while most of us experience them both and typically together, um, we can usually easily recognize sin but it overlook shame. So it can be affecting our lives in a really negative way without us realizing it. So um, we talked about, too, like maybe you have the feeling like I don't deal with shame because that's what I would have thought if you asked me that. I would say that's not really a problem for me. Um, so the, the definition of what we're, we're going off by today, shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. So when we're conscious of it, that's, what, that's where the shame takes root. Generally speaking, sin is defined as an act or a wrongdoing, and shame is a feeling that affects someone, affects how someone perceives themselves as a person. So to sum it up, it's like what I did versus who I am. Um, so I want to go over these questions in case you missed them last week. These are the questions that help reveal whether or not we've been affected or are currently affected by shame. Um, these are taken, like I said last week, from Jimmy Evans, and I just think they're so great, so I have no problem using them right here this morning. No shame. No shame. No shame. Hey, <laughs> we're all working for the same thing. <laughs> so... One of the uh, signs is fear of exposure and intimacy. Someone finding out who you really are. Never feeling like you do well enough and being performance-driven and driven by perfectionism. Being devastated by criticism. This is not just like, oh, it bothers you. This is you're being disabled by criticism of someone else. And then being overly critical of ourselves and others. It can manifest in extremes of bitterness and rage and then turn right around and flip the switch to being compliant and pleasing people. It's sometimes even the same person. Um, being primarily motivated by what others think. So you're controlled with what others think. You change your behavior based on what others' perception is of you. Um, this is... A lot of times why we're even, why from the outside looking in, you're really caught off guard when you find out like shocking news about someone because they've been living a lifestyle that's different than what they put off. Mm -hmm. You know, you find out, oh, I can't believe they they ended their marriage, but they never showed you the reality of of the marriage, you know? So so what we see on the outside. Um, Being motivated by fear, underperforming to avoid risk. If I'm successful and then I stumble in the spotlight, I don't want to experience exposure or failure. You know, I talked about this one uh, last week, too. And just to share another thing, I, I didn't even realize this until this week. Isn't that funny? Like how God continues. Like he's, he's so for us and for our freedom. And um, he reminded me a few days ago, he said, you are fearful because 
the last time you stepped out in faith, he was challenging me to step out in faith in the same way that I had in the past. And he said, you are fearful because you're expecting the same thing to happen when I asked you to move in that way before. So because you perceived the result, when I stepped out in faith, the result I perceived as a failure, he was saying, like, I'm asking you to do that again, and you're fearful of failing because you're perceiving your past failure as a failure when only I determined what it was. Still, a seed sowed is a seed sowed, right? Even if we perceive it as a failure. So he challenged me on that this week, and I was like, okay, all right, all right. (laughs) You know? So he's going to continue to do that, and I love that about our God. And he's so gentle, too, because he said, like, like, I... You don't fail. When you're obedient, you do not fail. Even a perceived failure is not a failure. Obedience is always success in the kingdom. And obedience is the goal, not the result. Right? So, moving on. Self-hate and self-deprecation. You know, sometimes we hate our own bodies. And we hate the masterpiece that God made. We can turn on ourselves and that creates shame. Um, Also, measuring your value and that of others by how well you perform. So kind of looking at yourself, measuring yourself up against everybody else and minimizing yourself or elevating yourself. Um, And then rejecting and not associating with those who don't measure up to your standard. So that's the list of things. I hope, you know, I, you know, I hope you're free from shame, but I hope if you're not, I hope that, that you found, like, I hope that something in there you identified with. So that, so that it can come out this morning. So um, we talked also last week about the origin of shame. I'm going to go quickly on this. Kathy, give me a look if I'm going too fast. Okay, throw something. Um, <laughs> in Genesis 2.25, the Bible says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not what? Ashamed. So shame was not in the garden. It was not there at the beginning. God did not create a world of shame already in it. So if we can just, if I can just say to you, believe that, because I'm telling you, <laughs> that would be, that would be it. But I just want to remind you, he created man and woman in his image, and he wanted them to have a free will. That's what their, their purpose was, to live in, in that garden and be with him. So as we know the story, Satan came as a serpent. He fed a lie to Adam and Eve. And he caused them to sin, which opened the door for shame. So once their eyes were opened, they were exposed. They saw that they were exposed. And when they realized that they were exposed, that's when the shame took root. And they hid in response to that feeling of exposure. So shame is the thing that causes us to hide from God. And when we hide, we put distance between him and us. And when we believe that we that because we can't see God, he can't see us. When you start to live with the reality that I'm hiding from God and he can't see me, that's not a place you want to be. You're going to start to believe that he can't see you. And the thing is, is it's just like, like when my kids play hide and seek, they think I don't know where they are. Like, I know where you are. I live in this, like, this is my house, you know? It's like, I know where you are. You're not sneaky. Like, that's us in the Lord when we try to play hide and seek. He's like, seriously? Seriously? I know where you are. Quit. (laughs) That's cute. He's like, (laughs) all right. Anyway, so Adam and Eve were designed for the garden. Sin and shame kept them from it. They kept them from the very thing God designed them for. 
and the enemy's tactic is still the same. We see that in our own lives and the lives of others. He still targets what God created us for and tries to keep us from it. So moving on, Jesus came to take sin to the sin to the cross, but also to take shame to the cross. So as we talked about last week, he was on the cross in total vulnerability. Um, we often see pictures of, of the crucifixion, and they depict Jesus with the cloth across his genitalia, which is inaccurate. Like, he was naked. He was fully exposed. The Bible talks about the soldiers casting lots for his clothes. He was humiliated and exposed, hung on the cross in full vulnerability, taking shame to the cross once and for all so that we don't have to walk in it. So let's um, dive into this. Um, Eric's going to uh, ask us some questions here, and we're just going to do... Uh, basically, today is... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking in a circle. I'll stop. We want... I do that a lot. I like talk before the thought forms. I'm sorry. It's like, <laughs> my husband gets mad. He gets mad. I'm like, sorry. I'll draw you a picture instead, okay? Um, so we wanted today to be a little bit more of a practical application. I love practical tools because I'm like literal. Like, you know, I just like to know, now what am I supposed to do? Tell me what to do, you know? <laughs> so... We hope that today helps you partner with the Holy Spirit in rooting, uprooting your shame and uprooting and revealing, shining light on some lies and just working our way to complete freedom. Sound good? All right. So. You ready? Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Um, first question. Do you think... Do you think shame is uh, is taught to us? Is it something that uh, maybe is generationally passed down from our parents or our grandparents? And if so, uh, at what point do we learn it in our lives? Yolanda, we'll go with you first. Well, I think that it's not necessarily taught. This is how you are shameful. But it's what's modeled to you. You know, if you experience shame, something shameful within a family, or maybe the family struggles with money, and it's a shame. You know, they feel ashamed. It's modeled. Don't let anyone know what's going on in our home. Mm-hmm. So it's mainly through examples sure. um, that we transfer this fear and shame to our children. Kids learn quickly mm-hmm. what not to share, and they sometimes think it's something wrong with them, like sure. a default with them. You know, just where they are developmentally. Right, um, Leona. We were talking uh, before before the service, and this is something that um, we we said we use it as a our parents might have used it as a power tool over us. Um, so at a, at a young age, that could be debilitating almost. You know. So what are your thoughts on it? I mean, has um, did your parents say things like "shame on you" and stuff like that? Uh, yes, I think I remember hearing that a few times. <laughs> um, yes, and I, I agree with Yolanda, Pastor Yolanda, that um, not actually, I don't think there's a conscious, I'm teaching you about shame, but it is passed on. Uh, unfortunately, if our parents were not raised in a nurturing atmosphere, maybe not in a Christian home, which mine were not, um, they are modeling what they were shown. And it can be harsh, and it can be um, uh, it, it 
can affect us for a very long time. I had just a little example that I wanted to, when we was talking about children, we were teaching them. When, when children, now when Adam and Eve sinned, they were operating already as adults in the garden. They had stuff to do. They had responsibilities. So when they disobeyed, they immediately knew something was different. You know, they recognized their shame. But our children... Are, they don't know that when they're so little, they're so innocent. And, and Emily had an example on this on our list of questions that when uh, our kids are so free, they, they feel they're more free and excited when they're naked. You know, they like <laughs> to run through the house. You know, there's no shame there at all. And so uh, one time our son, when our son was around two, maybe a little bit less than two, I can't remember exactly, but we were sitting at the lunch table, and and he had started denying things, and so I was going to try to show him that if you don't admit to the truth, you know, that's called, that's a lie, and I was going to teach him about that, okay? Well, we were sitting at the table, and so I'm going through all of this, and I said, you know, like, Josh, if you had, if there's a cup was sitting there and you knocked the cup over and I asked you about it and you said, no, I didn't do that. That would be a lie. And Josh said, which cup was it? (laughs) So I said, okay, we'll talk about this later. We're not ready for that yet. (laughs) You know, they're so innocent. But there is an, uh, an age where we begin to understand right from wrong and, um, and, and so then we need to deal with our decisions. Another thing I just wanted to say really quick about training and teaching our kids. There, there's that scripture that says to train up your child in the, the, old, the King James, Old Test, the Old King James says nurture. The New King James says train up your child in the admonition of the Lord. And what that means is nurture And that training there, the Greek word, means to cherish. You are cherishing them. You are bringing them along. You're rearing them up. And then that admonition is a very gentle reproof. You know, it's a a very gentle warning. So if we are training our kids that way, they're not going to feel weighted down with, I'm bad. Shame on you. You did that. Now I'm a bad person. And those things over and over again, especially if the one modeling that for us is very angry and we feel like that we're really bad, that stays with you for a very long time. Sorry I talked too long. I love, real quick, I love, um, if you've ever heard Christine Kane, she loves to say, I declare shame off you in the name of Jesus. I just love that. Well, Emily, we've all heard that expression, um, he or she has no shame, but it can also often lead to uh, the lack of a moral boundary. How do you think that's affected us today as, you know, one, as Christians, and two, as, as like, a society? That, this question still has me kind of, like, asking questions, which is good. Um, <laughs> I almost think that maybe we have, like, an incorrect definition. Like, maybe it's not using the word shame in the right way when we say that. Because um, we say, like, oh, that person, you know, they, have, they just have no shame. And... Um, Basically, to me, that means that they're just brazenly wrong and have no, no repentance, you know. Um, so I do think, I know we talked about just like kind of the Holy Spirit who, who comes as the teacher and the corrector. And if we don't have the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we cannot be corrected. We cannot be like repositioned. Um, 
to stay on track. And, um, and I think we use it to is like, maybe we use it to like intimidate people into modesty in the church or something like, you know, like have some shame. And it's like, well, (laughs) why should, why should I have some shame? Like, should I have shame? Is there a healthy amount of shame? Like, you know, um, how much shame is enough or too much shame? Um, so I do think that, that, that is, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like not a good use of that phrase in my opinion, you know, but, um, yeah. Something we brought up before service was the, this, the social aspect of it. And, uh, you brought up dog shaming. I I do love dog shaming. I love a good dog shaming. (laughs) But I was telling people shaming, right? I was telling uh, Megan last week before the before the service started. I was like, I I, I don't have any shame. And then I, I was telling you after, or afterwards, I was looking through my Facebook memories, and there's there's some stuff I'm ashamed of there. You know, <laughs> so uh, complete and total wash. Um, Pastor Yolanda, uh, what are some psychological effects of shame, especially in the long term? The long term, the number one thing that I see um, with people who are depressed is that disconnection, you know, that, that disconnection from their, their own mind, their own emotions. And many times, like Pastor Emily said, their bodies. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, doing um, things that are dangerous, um, addictive behaviors, numbing themselves. We see this with functional addicts, right? People who function during the day but then binge, in the evenings, they are perfect, they look the part, they go to church, but then at night, at nine o'clock, when their mind starts to turn, they want to numb it. Mm-hmm. So we numb ourselves so we're not inundated with those thoughts of shame and, 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 and that associated guilt. And so when you said about it separates us from God, that disconnection, what we do when we walk alongside of people is help them to reconnect to themselves. How do I form a different attachment, a healthier attachment to my body? A lot of women and a lot of men who've suffered sexual abuse, they're disconnected from their bodies. You know, they don't want to feel. They're disconnected from their minds. They don't want to think. So that's when alcohol allows you to numb you know, yourself. And, and the, the saddest thing about it is a lack of awareness, you know? So we talk about practical steps. It's, it's amazing. Just by saying I'm struggling is half the battle sure. because that shame begins to lift and the Holy spirit can do its work. Right. So just that disconnection and not knowing that you're, you're carrying shame because it manifests itself in bad behaviors. Oh, he's just an addict. Uh, she just likes to cheat on her husband. Oh, she just needs to have self-control. But it's truly, a lot of times, shame not dealt with. Sure, sure. Pastor Leona, this one's for you. Um, what would you say to someone who is taking ownership uh, of someone else's sin that's altered their life? Um, not all, not all shame is because of, of our own sin. It can sometimes be because someone committed a sin against you. Well, how, how do you feel about that? What, what are your thoughts? Well, um, I have lived this most of my life. And uh, what I came to learn 
what I feel like that the Lord showed me. And I'll, I'll speak about this more next week. I'm going to be sharing next week my testimony. And, and <laughs> Pastor G, he just, <laughs> he's trying to, anyway. <laughs> um, and you I understand. understand. <laughs> okay. But um, when we're young and, um, and things, life happens to us, that could be, you know, just a harsh, very harsh, angry house. It could be, in my house, it was very dysfunctional. There was just almost every kind of abuse that you can think of. And um, when that's happening, you are not consciously doing this, but you are believing something about yourself, and you're believing something about life, and you're believing something about God. You don't, you can't put that into words, but it's there, even as a child. And then as you're growing up and this, this abuse is going on and on and other things are happening, you, you have a belief system now that, uh, that is very solid there, and that's who you think you are. And everything that happens in life is filtered through that belief, belief system. And it's not the truth. But it's what you know. You've experienced it, and it's your belief system. And in 2 Corinthians 10, um, I think the scriptures are 3 through 6 or something like that. But the fourth verse says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, Mm -hmm. but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the stronghold is what starts happening whenever, whenever those things keep happening to us, regardless of what it is. I, I believe this about myself, and I'm thinking this about God. And, and, uh, and so that misunderstanding, that distorted view, um, is, is a, becomes a stronghold inside of us. And we, we don't even know it, but it's just how life is. So that scripture says that our, the weapons that we use are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pulling down those strongholds. And then it explains it a little bit further in the next verse. It says, uh, casting down imaginations, I think King James says, or uh, disputes, arguments in our mind, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And the high things that are acknowledging themselves against the knowledge of God are is that you're unworthy. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve good. You can't do good. You need to hide. Especially if in your life, you've, and if this is going on in your life, and you're told as a child, you can't tell. And so that, that's so deep. That's a part of, becomes a very deep, deep part of your psyche. And, uh, and the stronghold is there. But that scripture is telling us that how we come against that, and I really shouldn't talk too much about this because I'm going to talk about it next week. But we cast down those lies. It's lies that we've believed, and we cast them down. I, w- I just wanted to show you one thing, and then I'll, I won't go any further in that. Whoops. Because one of the things I was reading about that, about the high things, um, in, just in some of Steve's commentaries that he has, I was looking at one, and it's, it's calling it the, 
the arguments, the dis- disputes that's going on in your mind about who you are. And then it says, every high thing that exalts itself, in one scripture in Corinthians 15, it's passive. But in this one, it is an active opposition against it. Guys, literally, the forces of hell are trying to destroy who you are and who I am. He does not want us to know the truth. Jesus told us that, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life, and that life more abundant. So what I would say to that person who might come to me with that is, it might take a long process. <laughs> I don't want to discourage you or anything, but for me, it took a lifetime before I even became aware of what was going on. But uh, I will say this. There's freedom. There's the word of God that's powerful. It'll never pass away. Heaven and earth going to pass away, but God's word will not. And that is the truth. We have to know the truth. Anyway, I'll stop. Sorry. Thank you, Leona. Emily, I didn't tell you I was going to say all that. I'm sorry. It was perfect. Is anybody upset about it? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> Pastor Emily, last week you talked, you talked about the, the sin spectrum uh, in, in the church. Why do you think we struggle as, a ch- uh, as the church uh, with taboo subjects and, and judging on a sliding scale almost? Um, I think it's, it's, it's a hard one to answer because I have a couple thoughts on it. Um, I'm not saying I have the answer, I guess. Um, this sin spectrum was just kind of my personal perception of what I have in my head as the sliding scale for, from little sins to big sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was reminded of is that the penalty for the small sin is the same as the penalty for the big sin. Um, and there is no sliding scale. <laughs> that was the way that I wanted to feel righteous instead of recognize that I've been made righteous, yes. that I'm not who I am. I'm who I'm becoming. I'm not who I was. Mm-hmm. I'm who I'm becoming. And my identity is in Christ. So I think that at times, um, like pride and feelings of, of self-righteousness can can get in the way of us talking about real-life subjects and difficulties like, like unfaithfulness in, in marriage or, or pornography addiction or, you know, homosexuality or things. Sometimes we don't have a problem saying, this is wrong, but we do have a problem saying, I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the pulpit is the place where we discuss everything. But I think if we can't be honest, then there's a problem there. So I think that, you know, in the church, I, 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 that's something I noticed growing up. I, I, I'm not saying that's something I noticed here. Um, but growing up, I noticed there was things that, you know, a leader would never admit to because they want to appear a certain way. Sure. So I do think that, um, I think we have to consciously fight that in the church, that, that um, desire to appear righteous rather than understand that we're flesh sure. and that we're all becoming who God created us, created us to be. Right. That makes sense? It sure does. Pastor Yolanda, um, with that in mind, how would one go about finding someone to confide in and 
understanding and trusting that we're going to be good stewards with, with that information? Well, I look for people who can, uh, I look at patterns, sure. you know, and I, I look for people who I feel safe with. You know, um, if they're talking about their best friend mm -hmm. in discretion, <laughs> I may not go to them. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, it's not rocket science. I don't need to pray about it. It's like, she talks too much. She talks too much. Right. So I have to feel safe that they're not going to judge me based on some level of shame or right. that was done to me or based on something that I did. So I really believe that we can't use that as an excuse because the Holy Spirit leads and guides us. And sometimes he leads us to people who we would not have chosen for ourselves to talk to. We get in our wheelhouse of what we feel comfortable with. But a lot of times we feel comfortable with dysfunction. Mm -hmm. You know, because right. we, we had that experience of past dysfunction and family. So let's look for the person that will abuse me more, you know. And, and, and so the Holy Spirit says, that person, well, I feel uncomfortable. That's healthiness. Sure. You know? <laughs> so um, I look for that. Um, we have so many, so many resources here within this church. I heard a gentleman say, I love the men's group because I can talk about pornography I could talk about lust I could talk about struggles you know in our church um, we have a prayer council you know where we can walk alongside of those lies um, that we've adopted as sure. our own sure. and carrying um, that shame and we also have recover me which is a support group for women who have lost something grief delayed grief and so I think it's really allowing the Holy Spirit, once you've admitted that level of shame, who to go to, and then submitting to allowing them to walk with you. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Pastor M, um, we can all get caught in a cycle sometime. What are some practical ways of, of finding the roots of shame and, and, and battling those? So um, I went up on this one. I got a little bit of help from a friend here. Um, <laughs> you guys know Pam, right? <laughs> Pam is awesome at um, just warring in prayer. She's just one of those people, like we are talking about, too. You look for people um, in your life. There's some people in my life that I know are like kind of like on my level. They're my friends. But then I know that there's other people that... I'm not going to call everybody when all hell is breaking loose. I'm going to call, you know, my mother-in-law. She's going to pray. She's going to mm -hmm. not say anything. She's going to just, you know, different things. Like, you know that God's going to bring you certain people who are going to help you up out of something. Certain people are going to fight with you. Certain people are just going to sit you down and be like, let's, let's just have fun. So that, you know, you know like, there's a, there's a, there's a um, different person for for every different type of counsel. Like, sure. not every person has to be good for everything. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, like I was saying about Pam, she is an awesome resource. Um, if, you, if you need someone to, to um, give you some truth and pray through something with you. Um, so, I had just asked her. I know she, she talks about her inner dialogue a lot. I don't know if you've, you might have heard her talk about that, too. But um, basically, even in sharing her personal testimony... The inner dialogue in her life was so loud, just speaking nonstop death over her life and just thoughts that, that were not 
the thoughts that God has for her. It's just sure. thoughts of failure and thoughts of rejection. And, and that was the nonstop track in her head. Um, so, you know, she was saying that not only rebuking the lie, like she would use scripture to rebuke the lie, but not only in that, she shifted her dialogue to praise yes. and thanksgiving. So in addition to just saying, no, enemy, you're wrong. God says this about me. I'm going to remind you who God is. Right? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, I love that. And, you know, the other thing that she shared, just like Pastor Leona said, it wasn't overnight that the cycle stopped. It was months, she said for her personally, that she, every time a thought came up that was a shameful thought, a reminder of the past, a reminder of what she thought about herself, she came at it with scripture. She came at it with, thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life and what you have done. Thank you for who you are. You are so great. You're wonderful. You're mighty. Just declaring who he is. And, um, you know, she said that there was a, a byproduct that um, she kind of accidentally fell into this pattern of just living from a place of gratefulness and thankfulness too. And I was like, how awesome is that? And like, if you think about it too, just from the perspective of the enemy, he's trying to sow shame. He's trying to do so death all the time. Um, we know that about him, but he will get tired if you don't. That's good. If you continually declare who God is over your life right. and you're continually reminding him that he's a failure, not you, right? He's, he's, he, it's not going to go on forever. He, he cannot thrive in a place where he's not exalted. Yes. So if you don't give him a throne, he has none. And that's why we declare who God is and his power and who is ruling over us and who is the author and the finisher and who, what his thoughts are for us, that they are good. And that he has a hope and a future for us. And that, you know, whatever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things, think on these things. Like, you know, just discard everything and, and turn to praise. I just love that as a tool. So consider that. Um, there is, on a side note, um, I asked Pam for a resource. There is one in the, in, at the table in the um, foyer in the hallway. There's a resource of scriptures, who I am in Christ. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know what to say to combat the enemy, bring it back to basics. Write some flashcards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Put them in your phone. Set alarms in your phone to go off throughout the day. And you look down, what's that? It's not a text message. It's, it's God reminding you who he created you to be. Oh, that's awesome. So, that's awesome. That's active. Yeah. <laughs> the fight. It's the fight. Yes. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is we can underemphasize under the truth, but we shouldn't be doing that. We should, we should understand who we are uh, in Christ. Pastor Leona, this is our, our final question of the panel. Um, we're going to direct it to you. Is it enough to know that the blood covers our shame? Well, the answer should be yes, right? <laughs> we know that, um, well, the scripture tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And don't want to take it for granted, but hopefully we all understand that that's why Jesus came, to be that ultimate sacrifice. He is the Passover lamb. I love those scriptures and putting those thoughts together. But I did want to share one uh, thing. We may, we know this in our head. 
But it, it, until that truth becomes a reality inside of us, we don't operate in that. Sure. And the devil can still have sway over us in all of this battle of, as far as what goes over in our mind. Uh, uh, Sherry, one short little thing that happened with me. One, um, it was on a Halloween night and uh, back in when we were still in our first old building. And uh, we didn't do a fall festival that year. So Steve took the kids and went to a fall festival somewhere. I was at home, and I was just cleaning house, and someone had given me a video uh, or given us one to view. It was about a particular religion that was is more of a cult, and so I uh, was just, and some people were coming to the church trying to get free from that, so I was watching that as I was cleaning the house, and one of the things says that uh, they try to be close to where it looks like it's Christian and Jesus, God, and all of that. But one statement that was said, uh, taught on that night, was that, and these were people speaking that had come out of that belief, and, and it said that the blood of Jesus covers some things, but not all things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, you know, I was cleaning, but I stopped, and I was listening to all that they were saying about that. And in my head, I'm thinking, I would never think that. Who would think that? But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and checked me and said, but yes, you do. Wow. Yes, you do. Wow. When all of this stuff that I feel like I can't get off of me, all of this stuff, I'm in, in, my, in reality what I'm saying is that his blood was not enough for my sin or my shame, it wasn't enough. That's what I'm operating in. I would never say that. I would never think that. But that was reality for me. Hmm. <laughs> so I love that scripture, and I think Emily brought it up um, last week uh, that Pastor Steve had mentioned in one of his sermons that it's in Hebrews where it talks about the covenant, different covenants, and then it's saying that the sacrifices of the blood of uh, goats and lambs and all of those uh, were enough to take care of the flesh at that time. But then how much more the blood of Jesus to cleanse your conscience as well. So I just say, yes, the blood of Jesus is enough, but I don't think we live there. I think we are lied to and are still believing the lies that it's just not working for me, wow. but it is. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, thank you. Did you guys enjoy this today? Did you feel like it, it was practical? Maybe hopefully answered some questions that you might have had. Um, thank you so much for each and every one of you and for our interpreters. Thank you so much um, for this today. I, I know that next week is going to be amazing, so I hope that you do everything you can to be there because I know Pastor Lona is going to share more about her testimony and what God's done in her life, and you got a little preview. Um, but just, just going ahead, um, from this, we need to constantly, um, pursue vulnerability and intimacy 
with the Father first, and then those who know the Father second. Um, for some of you, pursue it with your spouse. It's hard. But that transparency leads to vulnerability. And like we talked about last week, when you are fully known, you can be fully loved. And that I realize in my own life, the more, like, see, the, the trick is, is that, like, we can't hide. Like I said earlier, we can't hide. God knows exactly what we're up to. He knows our thoughts before we have them. He knows everything that we did. Nothing's hidden from his sight. But the more honest we are, the more closer we can get to him and the more closer he can draw to us. And so I realize even when I just like talk to the Lord, like when I just talk to him and just like, and I don't, this is just my personal practice. I'm not saying it's the way that you should do it. I'm just saying for me, like if I just talk to him, like I talk to him a lot. I have kids at home. They don't have conversations with me. They just demand things. So like, um, (laughs) I'm alone a lot, (laughs) you know, like I'm just like, Lord, like I'm really struggling. Like I talk to him like that. Like he's in front of me. I don't know what to do. I don't like, and so I try to have this ongoing conversation and the more honest I am with him, the closer I feel. And and I'm not rejected. Like, and I don't know why we fear telling something to someone who already knows. Yeah. Right? Like, he knows. He gets it. He made you. It's not a surprise that you're sensitive. He made you sensitive. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> so I just want to encourage you to pursue that with the Lord. And even as you go about this week, whatever comes up, I'm confused about this. Like, just tell him. Just tell him. You don't have to, like, get the answer instantly, whatever. Just pursue the relationship. We talk a lot about knowing truth, and I love that truth is the word of God. But Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So pursue knowing the truth, the word of truth, and the God of who is truth. He is truth. Pursue Jesus. And like you said, to the partial truths, those are a lot less easier to get trapped in when you know the character and the nature of the Father. When you know the heart of the Father, when you know him, then somebody can tell you a lie and you can be right away, no, I know that's not true. Because I know the character of Jesus. I know his heart. So I hope this helps you. Um, I'm going to ask Pastor Gumar to come up and and close I really hope that this just helps you on your journey to complete freedom from shame thanks again we hope this message was impactful to you if you would like to hear more please remember to subscribe for more information you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram God bless you and have a great rest of the week